Thank you for downloading a sermon from the Chapel of the Cross. The Chapel of the Cross is a welcoming, growing, and historic Episcopal Church in Madison, Mississippi. I hope you will join us on Sundays for worship at 7.30 a.m., 8.45 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m., with Sunday school for all ages at 10 a.m. I also invite you to connect with the chapel online at chapelofthecrossms.org. Again, thank you for downloading this sermon. We pray it will enrich your walk with Christ. God bless you, and we look forward to welcoming you and your family to the Chapel of the Cross. But as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. I speak to you in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We stood there on the shore of the Sea of Galilee on a spring morning. The bus was up by the road, and we had walked down, several dozen of us, to where the lake was glistening in the sunshine. It was peaceful and still. The ground slopes up steeply from the lake shore, curving sharply around a narrow inlet. There are several such inlets along the shore just to the west of Capernaum. Our guide knew what he was doing. He had done this before. He had already asked a local fisherman to bring a small boat. Leaving us on the shore, he got into the boat, and they pushed off and rowed out to the middle of the inlet. Then he stood up in the boat, and in a clear voice, without needing to shout, he read to us this story, the parable of the sower. We were amazed. His voice came to us across the water, clear and crisp in the morning air. The steep banks of the inlet acted like a well-designed theater with perfect acoustics. We stood there listening, imagining a crowd many times larger than ourselves, listening to another voice from another boat 2,000 years ago. <clears throat> I would love to tell you that this was my experience, that it was I who stood there on the shore of the Sea of Galilee as the parable of the sower was read to me. That would have been quite memorable. I have had more than a couple of opportunities to go to Israel, but they have not panned out. I hope to go one day. The person who did stand on that shore of the Sea of Galilee on that spring morning while our gospel passage was read to him, was New Testament scholar N.T. Wright. If you have never heard of Bishop Wright, just ask one of our faithful biblical scholars that meet on Wednesday mornings at 9.30 about him. Scripture tells us that Jesus sits at the right hand of God, but many of these biblical scholars may tell you that there is a place waiting for Bishop Wright on the left hand of God, for he is very highly exalted among them. Bishop Wright's experience on the shore of the Sea of Galilee 
paints a scene for us for the next couple of weeks. It is this scene of Jesus sitting in a boat just off the shore, preaching to a large crowd gathered on the shore in which we find our gospel lesson not only today, but for the next couple of Sundays. In Matthew, Jesus talks a lot. He tends to get long-winded and teachery, which isn't even a word, but he gets seminarish, which also isn't even a word. He is depicted as a teacher more so than in any other of the Gospels. There are five teaching discourses in Matthew. The first, you may know, is the Sermon on the Mount, which begins with the Beatitudes. In our Gospel lesson today, Jesus begins his third discourse, which is full of parables and explanations of parables dealing with the presence of God's kingdom on earth and the rejection and acceptance of that kingdom. These parables of the kingdom do not allude to a future kingdom, something that will happen, a kingdom to come. It is a kingdom already realized that these parables relate. It is a kingdom already present here and now. The invasion of God's kingdom has already happened with God's presence in Jesus Christ walking this earth. Jesus uses everyday imagery and scenarios in his parables to make them relatable. He uses everyday imagery and scenarios well known to those he is speaking in order to depict this present kingdom, this kingdom that is already realized, this kingdom that is here and in the midst of those to whom he is speaking. Jesus doesn't use apocalyptic imagery of contemporary Jewish writers. He doesn't speak of a new Jerusalem or a new heaven or golden streets or golden gates or rewards for the good and punishments for the bad. He doesn't even speak about the end times at all. His language is not florid or overwrought. He is less concerned about the future dimension of God's rule. And so he uses imagery and scenarios and his parables that reflect the everyday life of a Jew. Parables that reflect the here and the now, the present time. Israel in Jesus' time was heavily agrarian. Farming was vital. It was a necessity. For the next couple of Sundays, we will hear a lot of farming jargon in Jesus' parables that are easily understood. Soil, Plants, seeds, weeds, harvest, and wheat, all of which would definitely have struck a chord with those in the crowd, many of who were very familiar with the ins and outs of farming. I think if Jesus were to use a parable to relate the presence of God's kingdom to us gathered here today, he might do well to mention tailgating, pass interference, first downs, touchdowns, and so on and so forth. So today... Jesus begins with a simple and relatable story of a farmer who scatters seeds fairly liberally about with the least of concern for where those seeds land. The seed scattered is important, for we are told that that seed represents the kingdom of God, the same kingdom of God we have been talking about before now. The seed represents the invasion of God's kingdom on earth 
a kingdom of justice and mercy, a kingdom of inclusion, a kingdom where the broken are made whole, the old is made new, things that have been cast down are raised up, a kingdom where the poor inherit the earth, the peacemakers are blessed, the grieving no joy once again, the sinful are freed from their bondage, and the empty are filled with very good things. The seed is important, but perhaps more important is the soil in which the seed finds itself, for it is the soil which will enable the seed to produce. It is the soil which will give the seed the ability or the inability to take root, to sprout, and grow. The seed cannot germinate and take root without rich, fertile soil. Again, the difference in the four soils described would have been well understood by those in the crowd belonging to this agrarian society in Israel. Even if you know next to nothing about farming, it is common knowledge that farm production is heavily dependent on the fertility and richness of the soil. The seed, which is the kingdom of God, cannot take root and grow if it is not planted within a rich fertile soil. My friends, I believe that there is rich, fertile soil here. There is rich, fertile soil here at the Chapel of the Cross, and not because we are in the middle of cow pastures. The rich, fertile soil here is not simply this old building or the air conditioner which is out or this building's history. The rich, fertile soil here at the Chapel of the Cross is her people. It is you, the body of Christ that gathers here each and every Sunday. It is you, yes you, sitting in the pews. You are the rich, fertile soil which enables the seeds of God's kingdom to take root, grow, and produce in this broken world. This is fertile ground here. And the seeds of God's kingdom are among us as they always have been. God's kingdom is here. It is not something that will happen at some point in the future. It is something that is happening now. And you, you are the soil fertilized and enriched by the body and blood of Christ. Go from this place and grow these seeds of the kingdom. Be rich fertile soil. Grow mercy. Grow justice. Grow kindness. Grow hope. Support our school supply drive and grow education. Grow acceptance. Grow life. Grow resurrection. Grow welcome. And grow love. Amen. Amen.